uh, I was sometimes, you know, like, uh, I've been a pastor here for two and a half years, and sometimes I have that little twinge in the back of my mind. Should I be a pastor? Should, should I really do that? Is this, is this really what God wants me to do? And I went home, and the first Sunday, I guess we left Friday, and the first Sunday, um, I was like, Dad, I'm so excited to go to church. Can we just go to church together? And so he and I went to church at like, like seven in the morning, and I was like, he's Catholic, and so I was kneeling there, uh, and, and, and we were praying and, and singing, and I'm like, I just love this. And then the next week is Sunday, and I'm like, I know it's just after Christmas, but I gotta go to church. And so I went to the local church, and, um, and the pastor there, was the pastor at the particular church was out of town like I was here, and, and um, their technology wasn't working, just like it wasn't here. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right. Uh, and I'm like, I just, I love being with God's people. There's just something about it I can't get enough of. Like, I'm a pastor and I, I work on Sunday mornings every, almost every Sunday of the year. And I couldn't wait to go to church. I'm like, okay, there's, there's a confirmation there at least at some point. Um, so uh, as, I, as I was home and as I was, was worshiping with my father and, you know, when you get in your home setting, you know, all sorts of memories fled back. And some people I know grew up here in Thunder Bay, but some of you, like myself, grew up elsewhere. And you go home and you've been away for a while and all these memories and emotions that you thought weren't there anymore or were dormant, they just come flooding back in. And I had this distinct memory as I was prepping for this morning and thinking about this, this sermon. I had this distinct memory of waking up one morning out of a nightmare. Does anyone here have like super vivid dreams? Are you a vivid dreamer? Yeah, I'm a vivid dreamer. I had some really terrifying ones this last couple of weeks. I won't tell you about them. Um, but I remember as a kid, it's this distinct memory. I had this dream that my father had died. And I was like, I don't know, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. I don't remember how old I was. But I had this, and, and it was so real. And it was like waking up out of a night terror. And I remember as a kid just sobbing like, that, that feeling is so real. And I had to go, and I had to see him. I had to like touch him. I had to be convinced that, that the dream wasn't real. So I remember I, was, I had the room down in the end of the hallway. I went down, and my parents, my dad was in, in the bathroom getting ready for work, and my mom was there, I guess, in her nightgown. And I was like, Mom, is dad alive? And it's like, of course he's alive, you know? <laughs> I was like, well, I just, I, I just have to know. And so she brought me uh, into the bathroom and I saw him there. And I just remember thinking, oh, so, such a relief, but such a confusing mix of emotions that came with it. And, um, and I was thinking about this as I was preparing for today because um, I've been preaching so far this year or the beginning, the end of 2018, I've been preaching on prayer and entering into our Father's presence and uh, what it is to, to develop a desire to pray in a life of pray, to, in a life of prayer, and I thought, oh, isn't it often so confusing to come into the, the, our Father's presence? Sometimes we're we're afraid of Him. Sometimes uh, we have so many emotions that when we get to trying to pray or trying to develop our prayer life, it can just sort of go south and tank. And sometimes we're just we we go through so many nightmares in life, real nightmares that we live through that sometimes we're not sure if He's still alive or not. Is He there? And how do how do we how 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 do we know if God is still alive after all we've gone through? And um, and if, if you think that you're the only one who has these kind of thoughts, you're not alone. This is not just a human experience 
to, to wonder if God is alive or if he's around. Uh, but it's a confusing time to try to, to be a person of faith. And so um, I have this sort of blurry picture to symbolize this today. And I wanted to just give a, a little bit of a few words and description of what it's like to be a human being alive today in this part of the world, trying to do Christianity, trying to be a person of God. So we, in case you don't know some of our cultural history, we're like in the third century, 300 years worth of our whole culture trying to do life and society and politics without God. We're 300 years into a great project in Western society of imagining what it's like to do life without God. Um, We're at a time where people don't want any authority in their life. They don't like authority. They don't like people telling them what to do. But yet many people are feeling something spiritual. They have a spiritual awakening inside of them. And so because of that, you have a lot of people who say, I'm spiritual but not religious because they don't like the authority that comes with it. And the, the challenges with that is that our feelings, our feelings are so complex as human beings that how do we, like, how do we stay oriented in this mix of feelings? Uh, people today are walking around and they don't really trust the old stories anymore because we have this cultural confidence that we have in every way progressed the reason why people used to believe something is because they were barbaric a little bit. They were confused, and now we've evolved and progressed. And that's an under, underwriting feeling today. Uh, more people today, more than ever, have very sensitive feelings of abuse. Now, let me qualify that. What I'm saying is that we can sense when abuse is happening far more carefully than any time in the past. And yet which is a good thing, by the way. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a really good thing that that's true. And yet, um, we, have a, we, we still really struggle to see when we're contributing to that. Um, and because of this, um, people aren't content anymore with simple answers. They don't, just, they don't want you to just tell them how it is. They want to know why we believe what we believe. Um, but yet, in, in the midst of that, so much black and white thinking exists. Think people are good or evil. Uh, There's right ways and wrong ways. And of course there's truth. I'm not saying there's not truth. But um, life is so much more complex than black and white. And this is pushing us politically just away from one another to the right and the left. Um, And because of this, in Christianity, because of all these dynamics of what people are going through, There's this great exodus happening. People are leaving the church. They're leaving Christianity. They're leaving faith in droves, but trying to find something. They're not just leaving faith behind. They're trying to find something to believe in. Um, And so as a church, as we go through all these dynamics and as we experience these things, I think it's probably because this is a relatively young group of people here, uh, as, as a church. We're not content just to batten down the hatches. We're not content as a church to just say, all right, let's build our walls up as high as we can and keep everyone out except those who think like us. That's not who we want to be. We want to be a people who are right in the midst of this, exploring the way forward, finding the dead tradition and burning it and keeping alive the heart of God. 
And so today, because it's a new year, it's because it's sermon one of this year, I'm just going to do a little bit of a vision type of sermon. Um, I'm going to just talk a little bit about um, who Grassroots is, what our vision is, and, um, and why in particular I'm spending a whole year on prayer and developing the life of the prayer. So if you're a visitor today... This is a really good time for you to be here today because you get a, a little window into the heartbeat of this community. Every year I do this at the beginning of the year, near, near the beginning, I open up Isaiah chapter 11, which is kind of our heartbeat Bible verse. And I talk a little, about, little bit about who we are as a people. And so that's what we're doing today. We're going to get into this a little bit and specifically focus in on, on prayer. Um, so we go to Isaiah 11. I don't know... I'll explain why this is, but it's probably more mysterious than even I know. But Isaiah 11 and its vision for Jesus and for God's kingdom has been part of the heartbeat of this community from, I think, the very beginning. Um, I came in and I heard about this and I thought, you know, this is so true. If you want to understand grassroots, what it's about, what it's trying to do, just dig into Isaiah 11 and you'll find a lot of vision there. So Isaiah 11 begins like this. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. This is, it goes on to talk about this great kingdom, this great king and his kingdom and the peace that exists in his kingdom. And it's written, Isaiah 11 is written some hundreds of years before Jesus. So we don't know exactly when it was written, but we do know that whoever is writing it has a vision that there was once a tree, and it was once a large tree, and it was glorious, and lots of birds of the air found their homes in it, and there were fruit. But at this point, that tree had been cut down. It had been chopped down, and it, there was no tree left. And, then, and this is talking about Israel. The people of Israel, David's kingdom and his sons and, his, and, and, and how it all played out and how God, uh, because of their idolatry and because of their sin, he cut the tree down. It was God's doing. God cut that tree down and, and um, David's line would be no more. Except for the fact that the roots were still alive. The tree was gone, but the roots were still living. That's just the image that Isaiah gives us. And I think, I mean, just an aside, if anyone in their life feels like a stump, <laughs> you're still alive. There's still life in your roots. And out of these, out of what seems to be something dead and, and barren and broken and gone, out of, up, up out of this stump will come a branch that will bear fruit. And this branch, as Isaiah 11 tells, tells us, is, is a person a shoot comes out, someone from the line of David. They'll bear fruit in life. A leader, a leader. They're waiting for a leader to come out of the stump of Jesse. Now the characteristics of this leader, as, as you read through, it kind of gets blurry there, but let me just sort of share with you kind of the, the characteristics of this person they're waiting for. This is going to be a leader who can see through the power plays of the politicians. All of the political tangled webs, this person, this leader is going to be able to see through it. And all the lies of the world leaders will be clear to this leader. Um, this leader won't be taken by the lobbying of rich people. This leader cannot be bought 
by rich people's money, but they will judge fairly. Um, the wicked schemes of the world will wither away in this person's presence. This is the kind of leader they were hoping for. And this leader will grow up and be strong and faithful. Um, think about this. This is who they were looking for. And it goes on. The, the, the vision goes on that this leader will come up and will, will have a kingdom where formerly hostile people groups will come and find unusual fellowship. People who are supposed to be enemies in the world will live together as family. And the way that this the really interesting language that comes around this, the wolf will lie down with the lamb. The little child will lay down with a snake. Um, the bear and the cow will exist together. These, these, peop, these, these animals who are supposed to be devouring one another and prey and predator will find peace together. And Isaiah tells us in verse 9 that the earth and that moment will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. And I think it's because of all of this teaching and all of this idea, all these ideas, why, why does grassroots gravitate to, to these type of ideas? Well, I think, you know, out of it, we, we love creation. We love creation theology, recognizing that we are a community with God's creation around us, that we're not here to dominate and subject the created world, but we're here to care for it and to see it as alive and living. Um, we, we, love, um, we love those imageries. We have a heart to push, push against racisms and the things which divide us in this community, and especially recognizing it when racism pops up inside of us, recognizing it and pushing it away. Um, we want to consider, and this image helps us, we want to really consider how we treat people in the world that the world usually mocks. Think about the mocked people of the world, who they are, and the, the way that the world laughs at them. We want to really consider how Jesus would treat them. Um, we want to rethink God's vision for the created world. We oftentimes, sometimes, some Christian communities can get so focused on God's anger and God's wrath. And God, God is wrathful. But we have to reconsider, I think, very carefully what God's wrath is aimed at. Oftentimes we can too uh, quickly think it's right at us. Uh, it's, it's more complex than that. God's, God's wrath is aimed at whatever enslaves human beings. And as much as we contribute to that enslavement of others, we stand in the line of that. But God's, God's not this brewing, angry father who can't wait to abuse us. That's not who God is. And there's lots, lots to talk about there. Um, we want to give ourselves in this community, because of some of these ideas about a peaceable kingdom, we want to give ourselves um, sacrificially to refugees. And I wish I was here last week or a week and a half ago when this space was filled with f new refugees into town, uh, welcoming folks who had to flee from where they were from. This, this gives us this desire to do that. Um, we want to, because of this, because of this idea of community and blessed community at grassroots, we don't want to be pulled by the forces of left and right. We don't want to polarize ourselves into one camp or the other. We want to stand at the edge of that, 
resisting that and saying life is far more complex than black and white. We're going to stand back and we're going to use our brains and we're going to, we're going to think for ourselves and not be pulled into these um, forces, these polarizing forces. And we want to be courageous about our convictions. Again, this is blessed community. We want to be courageous about our convictions and yet we want to hold those with reverence for people who are other than us, who see things differently. Uh, we want to humbly admit our own brokenness and our need for this king while also naming sin and not being afraid of it. So you see, um, when we talk about, oh yeah, oh, I had listed those all out here. Sorry, you could have read along with me. Take a picture of that quickly if you want that. Um, this is, this, these kind of things describe who we are at this church and what we're about. So we're not conservative, we're not liberal, we're not progressive, we're not traditional. Um, we stand resolutely against racism, trying to keep Jesus' rigorous vision of how to live in this world in front of us. We take social evils seriously, and yet we, we love the scriptures. And, and we, we put ourselves under the authority of them. Um, we're fighting for human reverence. We want to share Jesus with the world. Um, and most of all, I mean, not most of all, but, but centrally, we're trying to work out the distortions of Christianity, things which maybe we've held true for too long, which are just tradition, dead tradition, uh, but hold ourselves under the authority of Scripture and point ourselves towards Jesus. Now, if you want me to put that in one or two sentences, I can't yet. <laughs> I haven't figured that out, how to just crisply say it, just so you, you, can, you can figure that out. But I think that's part of the deal of what we're doing here. We're, we're trying to push into something towards the future, which holds true to the mysteries that are revealed in the past. And it's hard to put that into words. And because of that, I think this church has oftentimes been seen in the community as a confusing church. <laughs> what is this church about? What is, it, is, is, it, is it a cult? Is it, what's it doing? Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that because of what we're trying to do here, because of all of these things, it's, we're never going to be understood. <laughs> and that's okay, or at least not in the short term. Um, but because of that, what we're doing is going to take some things. It's going to take humility on our part. It's going to take reverence. It's going to take generosity. But at the very core of what we're trying to do here, and this is why we're going to be talking about prayer for more, many more months, is in order to do all of this stuff and to be this, we have to have a dependency upon God. We can't do this thing on our own strength. We can't, we can't shoot for the stars of beloved community, as Isaiah put it, without having a deep and reliant dependence on God. That's why we're talking about prayer. Um, our identity here is to push boundaries, but we're not doing it for the sake of, because we love new things, we want to be different. We were recognizing that it's a very difficult time to be a church and to be a person of faith here. But we're going to chart our way forward into this idea, this vision of new creation. 
The earth, Isaiah said, will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the earth. And, and if you want to give some words, let's see, did I put this up? If you want to give some words, some words to what we're trying to do here, this is how the best way we can find out to talk about it. We want to restore faith for people who've walked away from faith or their faith has been broken or they have no confidence anymore in the church. We want to be a place for people who can come and they can express their doubts, work through them. They don't have to shut their brains off at the door. They can come in and uh, try to find their faith restored in God. This is question asking. This is um, creating those safe spots. This is pruning off dead tradition. We want to help restore people's faith in Jesus. That's one of the main things that we're trying to do here. Secondly, we're trying to shape bright disciples. You'll hear this kind of language abound. We're trying to take our own sin and our own brokenness seriously enough that we can fi actually find ourselves transformed and, and remade and healed so that when we walk into our workplaces and into our families, we're the type of disciples, we're the type of followers of Jesus who are inspirational. People will be inspired by our lives. But we also want to know why we believe what we believe. We want to be bright. We want to think through this. And we want to shelter vulnerable people. We want to be people who walk around and cover the earth, not because we're an empire, but because we have a blanket. And we want to put that on cold people. Any people who are, are walking through vulnerable situations, whether they're in an individual or a people group, we want to be the type of community which puts our shelter over the top of them. Um, the earth will be covered. I think, as you remember from the Isaiah verse, it says, with the knowledge of the Lord. But we can replace that as Christians with a more, far more descriptive word. If we want to know the God, God, we, we, we want to know Jesus' selfless love. God's very essence and character is selfless love. So let's put it this way. The earth will be covered with the selfless love of Jesus as the waters cover the sea. Here's what we want to do here. We want to cover this earth with the selfless love of Jesus. So, it's not perfect, but as closely as we can imagine it, we want to be people who not just understand and have become discipled in the school of Jesus' selfless love, but we can learn to give that away. And let me tell you, selfless love isn't cheap. Selfless love costs us a lot. So we have to, as a community, figure out what this means. So it, in order to sort of move into this the idea of prayer a little more, I want to focus in, and I'll talk about this a little more in a second. Um, but we f I want to focus back in on the peaceable kingdom. Um, because we, we can't do this again on our own strength. If we try, if we try to do this on our own strength, we're, we're going to fail. We'll burn ourselves out. We will blow ourselves up. We need God. We need to be dependent upon him for this. And I think, I think this particular community and all that we're trying to do has been tempted sometimes to go about this with our own power and our own strength. That's why we're on prayer. Um, so let's focus in on verses 2 and 3 from Isaiah 11. The branch will come forth from the root of Jesse. The branch will bear fruit. And here's what Isaiah says about this person. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And this person will delight in the fear of the Lord. 
So what is this knowledge in fear of the Lord? That's what I want to finish off with today. I'm going to just drill down deeply because that's what I'm talking about with prayer. We've got, we've got to have a spirit here of the knowledge of God and the fear of God. Those are some big, big heavy words. So let's unpack that. And when, when I talk about this, I think about three things. We have to find dependency upon God. That's the first thing. Second thing, we need to cling to him actively in our life. And the third thing, we need the experience of prayer. So, I don't know, I could, I, I could, I'd probably need another two weeks to, of actual 24-7 preaching on this to unpack this. Um, but I'm going to do my best here to unpack these two phrases. Because if we don't have these two things, the game over. We can have our biggest dreams and ideas in the world, but we need these two things to keep going. And if we want to, 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 to come to the brightest light, the most clear focus of what Jesus' selfless love looks like and who, and who God is, this is where we come. We come to the cross. And here's what the cross is all about. It's about costly, selfless love. Jesus said, take up your cross daily, right? This is, this is at the centerpiece of Jesus' teaching. He's going to go and show us what selfless love looked like. And he's going to pave the way for us to join him there. He goes to a cross. We get the cross. It's Christianity 101, the basic formula of Christianity. I think sometimes we miss this. We forget this. We, um, we recognize that in the cross, the major focus of the cross, the reason why we need the cross, is to counter our feelings of self-dependence. I'll say that again because this is the centerpiece point. We feel like we got it. We don't need God. We can do this thing alone. If, if we don't just think that in our brain, most of our lives are shaped around the idea that we've got this thing. We can do this alone. We don't need to be dependent on anyone. It's our culture. It's our, our, our day and age. and our, It's the human condition. And Jesus' cross and God's work on the cross stands resolutely against human self-dependency. And if you want to understand that, you just put, that, put the cross in Jesus' political day and age. The leaders, the Jewish leaders, they thought they had it. They got, they got this. And, and what, they, what they did is they played political Russian roulette with the Romans, and they lost. Um, and the, 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 the law, what, Jesus was never against the law. The, the law of Israel. He loved the law of Israel. He loved the scriptures. What he was against is people thinking that they had it on their own. They got this. They depended upon themselves. So the cross, if anything, is something which counters our self-dependence, our self-sufficiency, our plans, our projects, the things that we do. How does this work out in our life? <clears throat> We, we plan our, our lives so carefully. We know where we're going to live. We know, uh, we know how life is going to work out. We, we, um, we have our, our roadmaps that we build, our, our plans to get to our uh, retirement, and we have it all planned, and, and planned out. And at every step of the way, whenever we fall into self-dependency and thinking that we got this, God is there working with a cross, 
trying to teach us something deeper. God is only a threat to us if our life is built around our ego. That's what the cross is. We have to understand this. We have to understand what God is doing. Um, So what is it to know God? To know God at its very core is to recognize that he stands resolutely against our projects of self-dependence. If something is happening in your life and you sense God is at work, I guarantee he's working at that. And if you want to join God's work um, in that way, if you want to join him in what he's doing, you're gonna, that, that's what we're doing here. We're, we're, we're telling the world with our cross-bearing daily that their projects are based, based on human understanding are futile. It's not pretty. It's not fun. Guess what that means? That means we get crucified. That's what this whole thing is about. We need, God is trying um, to help make us dependent upon him. The second point about the cross, the hard, hard point about it, if we're looking into it and thinking about the knowledge of God and self-dependency, not only is he working against human self-sufficiency, but he's willing to provoke crisis to, to, to make that happen. This is hard, guys. This, I mean, I'm giving us the hard edge of the gospel here. If our life is filled with dissonance and our life is, is filled with our projects not really working off the way that we wanted them to, it means God's at work helping us remember deeply that he's dependent. Now, God doesn't create evil. God doesn't create sin. But he's willing to let that all run wild in order for us to finally remember how much we need him. It's hard. It's a hard teaching. I don't know if you, if you feel like crisis or chaos in your life is running wild. Um, God is willing to let that happen to show us just how much we need him. The cross, the cross is that, that's the very thing. He's, he's provoked a crisis, let evil run wild in order to save the world. That's what he's about. Um, so we learn to expect dissonance. We expect things that disrupt our projects. Page four. Um, that cross also teaches us that this is a God who works in paradoxes. Do you want to know God? Do you want to have a spirit of the knowledge of God? Recognize that he's going to do things in our life that not only, like, like the word grace, right? We expect grace to come and comfort us. There's graces that comfort us, and there are graces that humiliate us. Do you go through, have you ever gone through something humiliating? It's a cross. That's the most humiliating. Like, we put, we put a cloth over Jesus' body because we can't quite think, we can't quite see what really happened. He was naked. There are graces in our life which humiliate us. Can we embrace that? They're there to show us how dependent we are upon God. That our failures, like the great saints of the Christian tradition are so in touch with their brokenness and their failure. It becomes their glory. It becomes the very thing which makes them rejoice so much. This is hard. But this is what this is about. And if we can't if we can't join, um, join God's work in this and, and 
and cling to him in the process. All the great things that we want to do will come to nothing because they'll just become our own projects. Um, grace which humiliates. That's an interesting thing to think about. Um, but knowledge, finally, knowledge of God is not just about enlightenment. We don't just come to God thinking that we'll just, we, we know more and we know more and more, and then finally we'll, our heads will be so big that we just know everything about God. <clears throat> no, bib, knowing in the Bible, you know, you know, you know someone that's, a, we talk about, I'm going to know someone biblically. <laughs> You know, those who have ear will, ears to hear will understand what that means. Knowing something isn't knowing about something. Knowing someone is experiencing them. Experiencing, having an experience with God. Uh, Jesus, when he was teaching, the hardest part of his teaching, in the middle of his ministry, said, I am the bread of life, which comes to give life to the world. Those who eat my flesh will have life. And what he meant by that is those who, um, those who understand that he, when he's going to give himself up on the cross, showing what full dependence looks like upon God, he's going to show the world who God is. And if we, if we live our lives full of our own projects, full of our own ideas, God is only an afterthought. Um, we're not feasting on that which gives life. We're eating that which gives death. True life comes through sacrifice. It's the, the centerpiece of Christianity. So, I don't know. These are all mysteries. These are hard thoughts. But, but the basic point is this. If we want to come and heal as people, if we want true healing in our life, without first going deeper into our hurt, we have understood nothing about the foundations of our faith. The way up is down, the way to, into God's heart is through suffering. Um, so, friends, brothers and sisters, hear, hear me well, as we go forward into this great grand vision of what it means to be God's people, we need God. We need to experience him and taste and see that he is good. We need to be on our knees recognizing regularly how dependent we are, are upon him. And recognizing that when he acts in his maddening, un, unmistakable but unintelligible con contradictions and, and uh, paradoxes, we need to be people who can draw deep into that and cling to him nevertheless. This is what we're doing here. So, my invitation, friends, is this. We want to come to know and fear God here. Uh, we want to embrace the dissonance in our life that disrupts our life. We want to embrace our dependency. We want to glory in our weaknesses. We want to embrace the paradoxes and taste his flesh together. And if there's one word that I can think of that pulls that all together, it's prayer. A life of prayer. And so far I've been teaching us, well, I've been stoking the desire to pray. I've spent three months stoking our desire to pray. And now we're going to enter into the school of prayer. I've got the next two and a half months all prepped up and wanting to teach you how to pray. 
how to get on your knees and find dependency upon God and cling to him and move deeper into his life. And I, I invite everyone here to join in to this, this process, this project. Um, because without it, if we don't have this as the foundation of what we do, um, this place can spin its wheels forever. It'll, it'll eventually blow up. Um, but if we have God's presence with us and if we learn to cling to him in our weakness, the peaceable kingdom, which seems so unrealistic, will be possible. And, and here, here, here's the truth about the cross. Of course, it's a miracle. The first Christians, they looked to the cross and they found it to be a miraculous thing. But way more than that, what they were thinking is, this is God's son and he died. It doesn't make any sense. Is God truly faithful? Will he truly redeem his promises to be with his people? Or are they actually true? Can I, can I give my whole life, can I give it all away and, and, and be a fool and be embarrassed for God? Can I, can I do that? And will God catch me when I fall? And the resurrection was a resolute yes. God will catch you. He's got you. It may seem like it's all coming apart, but actually he's putting you back together again. That's what the resurrection is about, and that's what the cross teaches us. So um, as we move forward, I know there's a couple great opportunities to, to move deeper into prayer. Come on Sunday mornings, hear the message, hear, hear the teaching on prayer and developing further into your prayer life. Uh, home groups, you'll see the slide up there. Home groups, we're going to have another round of, of entrance into home groups. Home groups, pray together. We need each other for that. And on Sunday mornings, especially at 9.30, if you want to come and join in a group of prayer, uh, prayer group, it's going to start happening on Sunday mornings every week. It's a great place to come and to keep on growing deeper into this. Um, but as a group of people, that's what we're up to. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to honor the old stories which teach us deep truths about God and yet move forward in our, in our faith so that it's relevant and applicable to the struggling people around us. Um, I think I have one more slide. Oh yeah, just a picture. I'll leave that up for a minute. This is our Lord who through his fervent prayers and tears and groanings and cryings one for us, our salvation. That's Hebrews, book in the book of Hebrews. So I invite you, friends, to join in. Um, we come every week and we <laughs> eat his flesh and drink his blood. That's the symbolic way to say that we take, take in his sacrifice symbolically every week. We remember what he did for us and we join in and say yes once again to the bearing the daily crosses that he gives us. So I invite you, friends, up here today. And of course, I don't know exactly what God has said to you or what he's spoken to you, but um, I invite you perhaps to think today, has God invited you once again to find dependency on him, to rely on him, recognize our brokenness and our failures and our weaknesses and to cast ourselves into his loving arms once again. This is a great opportunity to express that to God through an action. Take this piece of bread, dip it into the juice, take his sacrifice inside of us once again. So the table is set, and everyone here is welcome.